Uh, but today I, I do want to focus on, on Thanksgiving, and, and as we think about Thanksgiving, I want you to kind of put yourself back a few years, especially for those of you that are a little bit older. If you played a sport growing up, you remember that the only way you ever got a trophy was if you won the, the tournament championship, right? Remember those days? Like if you didn't win, you went home sad. Second place was first loser. I mean, there was nothing for you at all. And so you'd go home, you're like, Mom and Dad, we didn't win. Mom and Dad would console you. Your, your coaches would console you. Like, hey, better, not, better luck next year. I get to coach some of my kids' teams only because I enjoy coaching. It helps me get out into the community and spend some time with people outside of the church setting. And, and when I do, inevitably, every single year, very first practice, even before we do anything, there's always that one kid who comes up to me and asks, do I get a medal for playing this year? Everything within my emotional being, not to yell at this kid, <laughs> to scream at them. Sometimes it's my own child. <laughs> and to regale them with stories of the past and the way it used to be that you had to win the tournament championship to get a trophy. That that was, that was what you fought for, not just to get a medal for everybody at the end of the season. I usually just make them do 20 laps and then we start the practice time. But there's something about that in our kids today, right? And, and let's just be honest, parents, it's our fault. We've taught our kids that they are entitled to so much, but it's not just the kids. It's us, too. As adults, we kind of go through life feeling like we're entitled to certain things. We feel like we're entitled at the restaurant. Hey, I, I got here before that family. How did they get seated before me? Or how did they get their meal before me? Because we ordered way before they did. Or when you're driving. You act like, we act like nobody else should be on the interstates anywhere here. I mean, this is my road. This is my direction. This is how I get to work. Even when it comes to work. Think about the way we act sometimes when someone else gets that promotion. I, I, I've been here longer. I, I've got more experience. I, I've got more age. I mean, this is my role. I'm entitled to that, that job. And so for many of us as adults, we act like kids. We feel like we're entitled to so much in our lives. It's almost like we live out the, the Queen lyrics of one of their, their songs. They, I want it all, and I want it now. Right? I want it all. I'm entitled to everything. And not, do, not only do I, don't, I want it right now, but, or not only do I want it, but I, I want it now. I want it right now in this moment. I don't want to wait for that. And for many of us, that's the way we live our lives, which is why I love Thanksgiving. In fact, Thanksgiving is one of my, my favorite holidays, if not my favorite holiday throughout the year, but, but think about Thanksgiving for a moment, kind of where it sits in the calendar. What comes right before it? Halloween, right? And it's about how much candy can I amass, or how much candy can my kids amass, and I can do the candy tax with them, right? Because you got to get my favorite candies, and, and I'll take them from you. Then after it, we have Christmas. I understand Christmas is a Christian holiday, but what is it about? How many presents can I get? And so in the middle of all the candy that I get and all the presents that I get, we have this, this day called Thanksgiving. Now, for me, I love Thanksgiving because of the three F's, family, food, and football. And that's why I love Thanksgiving. And there's something else about Thanksgiving, though, that, that I find so important. You're not worried about how much candy you're going to get. You're not worried about the presents. It's kind of peaceful, isn't it? I mean, so one day of the year, we seem to get together. And we just kind of hang out. And we talk, and we laugh, we spend time together, we eat food, you watch a parade, you watch some football, you eat some more food, you have turkey coma at the end of the day, you take a nap. It's kind of this nice day. 
And all throughout the day, we tend to have these conversations with the people that are with us about what we're thankful for. I'm glad I can be here. I'm thankful for this food. Thanks for putting this together. I'm glad that we could get everybody together for this holiday and spend some time together. It's so different, in my opinion, than other holidays that we experience throughout the year. And I believe it's one of the reasons, at least for me, that's why I love Thanksgiving. But, but do me a favor. Whatever image you have of Thanksgiving right now, it's going to happen this week. And I know some of you might have a rough Thanksgiving just because of people that are going to be there, in-laws. But anyway, um, I, want you to, I want you to stop and step back to Wednesday for a moment. What happens on Wednesday? Wednesday, most of you are going to get off a little bit early from work, aren't you? Because you've got a trip to take. And you know how long it's going to take. And you've got everything set up. You've got everything planned. You get everything packed the night before. You are ready to go. And you go pick up your kids. If you've got kids, you pick them up early from school. Even though they're getting up early, you go ahead and pick them up a little bit earlier. So you pick them up from school. You get everybody in the car, and everybody's happy, right? We're excited. We're going to Grandma's house. And then you start driving. You're like, man, we are going to beat the D.C. traffic. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> Some of you are going south. You get on 95 South, and you're like, oh, it's not too bad. Then you hit Aquaquan. <laughs> For some reason... That place is terrible. It just, the traffic stops. Everybody's looking at the pretty water, I think is what it is. Someone actually has some, trying to do some research on that, if that's why people stop there. But anyway, you see the red lights, right? And you notice something. There's a lot of them. And they're slowing down. Oh, wait a minute, they're stopped. Now, maybe you're new to the area, and you're thinking, oh, this is only probably a couple of miles. But it stays this way to Richmond, right? not it? Now, there's another group of you. You're going north. You're going to New England. And so you're going to get on 95 North, and you're thinking, Man, at least I don't have to drive 95 South. But you got to go 95 North, which means Washington traffic, Baltimore traffic, Philadelphia traffic. And if you go a little bit further, you got New York traffic. I don't know if it's any different. And then there's one more crew in here, and you think you've really got to make because you're going 66 West. <laughs> now, 66 West actually isn't too bad once you get past Gainesville and Haymarket. I mean, you fly down through there, but it ends. And what's at the end of it? I think the worst road <laughs> in North America, 81. I mean, traffic, we used to call it uh, Truck Alley or something like that because there's trucks everywhere and there's people everywhere. You're driving and you've got this wonderful day planned out and it doesn't turn out anything like you expected it to. The traffic is terrible. You're in the front seat and you're yelling at people you don't know. You're angry at your kids. If you've got kids, you're angry at them in the back because they're fighting, screaming, yelling. Um, they're hungry. Um, they are asking you when you're going to be there, which is the, their favorite question. Uh, and then they have to use the bathroom every 20 minutes, right? And, and so this, this trip that was going to take you two, three hours now takes you six hours. And so you show up at Grandma's house on Wednesday evening, and you ain't happy, are you? You don't talk to anybody. You don't say anything. Hey, good to see you. You're like, I'm just going to bed. I'm so upset right now. But then you wake up on Thanksgiving morning, and you're a different person. Hey, how's everybody doing? Glad we could be here. It's Thanksgiving. I'm thankful to be here. Thank you for the food. Thank you for putting us together. And your kids are sitting over in the corner because they're scared of you, and they're like, that's not the same person I saw the night before. Where'd that person come from? This is not my dad. This is not my mom, I promise you. And so for like 24 hours, we are in this existence of, of bliss, gratitude, happiness, thankfulness. Next morning, get up. It's Friday. It's Black Friday, so some of you like to go shopping real early. You get your cars with the family members. You go to your favorite store, Best Buy, Walmart, Target, whatever it is, whoever's got the best deals. And you, um, you pull up, and there's a line of people there already. But you're like, oh, this is great. And so you get out of your car, and you go stand in line. And everybody's kind of nice. 
Everybody's kind of friendly. They talk to you. You talk about where you're from and why you're there and what the gifts you're looking for. And you talk about your Thanksgiving. Everybody kind of does a recap of their Thanksgiving, how wonderful it was. Maybe people have food and they're sharing food with you. It's like, wow, this, this is kind of nice. Then the countdown begins. Five, four, three, two, one, and the doors open. And I don't know what happens when those doors open, but everybody changes. Those animal instincts kind of kick in. That prehistoric conditioning that we, we had is still kind of there deep down inside of us, and, and there's chaos. And it's not controlled chaos anymore. It's pure chaos. Uh, that sweet little old grandmother who was sitting over there gave you a donut a little bit earlier talking about her grandkids. She wants that same poor KTV that you want. And so to get to that TV, she leg sweeps you so she can get there before you get there. <laughs> or that nice little gentleman who's 25 years old said, hey, I'll watch your spot while you go use the restroom. You're thinking, oh, this kid's so nice. But you try to get through the doors, and they body check you into the shopping carts. <laughs> Something changes in us, doesn't it? And this is what I find so interesting. This one day of the year, we are full of gratitude and thankfulness peace and hope and yet if we go one day before one day after we're like we are the other 364 days a year we we live this life of feeling entitled and yet one day we say thanks what would happen if we changed our mentality when it came to being full of gratitude every single day of our life because i'm afraid we feel entitled to too much that's why i want to talk about the story this morning out of luke in Luke chapter 17, there's a story you may be familiar with, starting with verse 11. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, we'll put it up here on the screens, or you can follow along in your Journey app, or also on the program today. But again, this is a story that, that maybe you are very familiar with. Luke 17, starting with verse 11. It says, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance. Jesus is traveling. He's uh, going from Galilee down to Jerusalem. And on this trip, he goes through this village. I mean, like any road, there are these villages along this road. And so he's walking through this village, and these ten men greet him. Now, these aren't normal men that are greeting Jesus. These aren't just some city fathers that are there. These are guys who have a disease. And they have a pretty terrible disease. They have leprosy. Uh, now, that, that particular word in Scripture could be any kind of skin ailment. Uh, we tend to say that it was leprosy, uh, so we'll go with that today. But leprosy was a horrible disease. Uh, it affected you in a couple ways. First, physically. Uh, really, you would have these oozing sores all over your body. Uh, they would affect your nerve endings, and so uh, the pain was almost unbearable. In fact, it would begin to decay your, your body parts. Uh, and not to, to gross you out, but some said that um, at night when some of these lepers would be sleeping, they would wake up and there would be some animal or varmint having a little midnight snack on their body parts. I mean, this is just how horrible this disease was. And so here are these ten men. They have this disease. I mean, that's bad enough if you think about it. But then there's an emotional piece to this, too. If you had leprosy or any kind of skin ailment, they would kick you out of the village, out of the town, out of the city. They would basically quarantine you in your own little section, and you would live there with other people that had diseases just like you. So you had to be there. But the other part of that was that culturally, by the law, you had to yell out if anybody came close to you that you were unclean. 
And, and so if you had this disease and somebody came up close to you, you had to yell, unclean, unclean. And so they would know in that moment they would have to run away from you. They'd have to get away from you for fear that they may get the same disease that you have. Can you kind of imagine what that would have been like every single day? That's your existence. Yelling unclean all the time. I, I mean, think about that for a moment. In this setting, if we walked in here on a Sunday morning and we had to yell out our issue, the problem that we struggle with. What if you had to yell, drug addict, drug addict, embezzler, embezzler, luster, luster, redskin fan, redskin fan. <laughs> I'm sorry. The last one I was kidding about, honestly. <laughs> anyway, but what if you had to do that? What if that was your day? Every single day, that's who you were. It would be terrible, wouldn't it? And this is what these men lived with. This is who they were every single day. And then verse 12 happens. It says, they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. It's interesting to me. They know Jesus' name. I don't know exactly how they know that. Maybe they've seen Jesus before in that village, and maybe they've watched him before do miracles to other people just like them. But for some reason, they know who he is. And what else is interesting about this? They don't ask for food or money. That's how they spend their days. They ask for alms. As people are coming by, the way that they get sustenance is asking for help. Can you give me some food? Can you give me some money? But they don't ask for that from Jesus. They ask for something very different. They say, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. It's like, Jesus, we're here. Look at our, our bodies. Can, can you do something about this? Can you, can you take care of this? Can, can, you, can you heal us? So their request that they have of Jesus is very different than what they were normally asking from people throughout the day. Look at verse 14. He says, when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest and as they went, they were cleansed. I kind of find a little bit of humor in this. It doesn't say Jesus went over to where they were. It says he saw them. And he went and said, hey, go and show yourselves to the, the priest. But anyway, that's theological humor there. Don't worry about that at all. But um, he says, go. Go show yourselves to the priest. He doesn't even waste any time having a conversation with him. He said, go, go take care of yourself. Go to the priest and show them that you are healed. And then it says, as they went, they were healed. They weren't healed automatically when it took place, when Jesus said something, were they? No, it was as they were walking along. And so they're walking along, and all of a sudden, these sores are starting to go away. The, the flesh that's dying it becomes alive again. They, they become transformed back into a, a human again, if you will. It happens as they go along. Now, Jesus sends them to the priest, and uh, probably a couple of reasons that, that he does that. The first one is that these priests probably knew these gentlemen. I mean, they were part of the village. They were part of the community. They were probably people that walked by these ten lepers every single day, probably some days, like, hey, here's a quarter. You know, stay out of my way. Don't get close to me. Maybe other days just walking on by and not doing anything. So Jesus is saying, hey, guys, here's the people that you didn't help. But culturally also, the other reason that Jesus would have sent them to the priest was that the priest's job was to tell people when they had a skin ailment, if it went away, whether they were clean or unclean. And so Jesus is showing these priests, hey, I am who I said I am. I am the Messiah. And here are these ten men that you know, and, and now here's this miracle, they're healed. I don't know how much this 
miracle was for the lepers as much as it was for the priests. To again remind them of who Jesus was. There's also one other thing in here. And this verse I find amazing. When Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priest, they don't stay where they are. The lepers do, do they? They go. There's no question to ask, no conversation that takes place. They just begin to go. There's a faith there that I find pretty incredible. Jesus speaks, asks them to do something, and they go because they believe in who Jesus is. Look at verse 15. It says, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. One of the ten came back. One of the ten looked at himself as he was walking along and saw that his tortured body wasn't tortured anymore. Who saw that those sores were gone and the scales were gone and his limbs were still there. And, and he went back to Jesus and said, thank you. Thank you for what you've done for and to me. But there's one interesting part that we left out here. It's the last little bit of verse 16. It says, and he was a Samaritan. And he was a Samaritan. Those ten men were made up of one Samaritan. And then from what we can gather, the other nine were Jewish. The one person who shouldn't have gone back to Jesus, based on the culture, came back to Jesus to say thanks. The Jews and Samaritans hated each other. The Jews basically racially profiled the Samaritans on a daily basis. They looked at them as second-class citizens. And so this is the way they viewed them. And so here is a Samaritan who his whole life has been looked down upon, has leprosy, but then realizes in that moment he's been freed. That, that he's different. He's going to be able to go back to his community again, to his family, to his life, because of what Jesus did. He didn't care that Jesus was Jewish. All he cared about was that there was a, a guy, a man, a Messiah, a Savior, who saved him in that moment. He wasn't going to be an outcast anymore. He wasn't going to be any different anymore at this moment. He was going to be who he was before. And he goes back and he thanks Jesus what Jesus did. But then look at verse 17. It says, Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Now, Jesus asked, you know, where, where's everybody else? I think there were ten men that I healed just a few moments ago. Where is everybody else? Now, uh, probably getting a little too deep theologically here. Some people say that this is the moment um, that there's really this foreshadowing of the expansion of Christianity. Um, the Jewish men here kind of represent the Jewish leaders, and the Jewish leaders always were denying that Jesus was the Messiah. And so here in this moment, it's kind of like they're saying, hey, you know, thanks for healing us, but, you know, we really don't believe you are who you say you are. And the expansion part is that the Samaritan comes back, and he represents the Gentile world. He represents everything else. And so in this moment, when he comes back, it really shows that Jesus is here for everybody. It's not just for the Jewish people. And so we, we have this idea, this theological idea, that this is really a foreshadowing of that expansion of, of Christianity. But, but the question is, why did they not come back? Why? They could have been excited. I get that. 
They could have been ecstatic. I mean, I understand that. Here's what I'm going to go with. Could it be that they felt entitled? Could it be that in that moment they felt like, I deserve this. Look at this life I've had to live for so many years. Look at what I've had to to go through. Now all of a sudden I'm healed. Hey, I, I need to be just like everybody else. I'm entitled to being like everybody else. I'm entitled to this healing. See, I'm not sure that you and I are much different than these nine Jewish lepers. That we go through life feeling like we are entitled to so much. And it's like I tell my kids, we're not really entitled to anything. We're not entitled to anything. I tell my kids, here's the things you're entitled to from your parents. Food, shelter, and clothing. And it doesn't have to be very expensive clothing at all. It can just be one outfit, and that's fine. I tell them, this is what you're entitled to. But, you know, honestly, we're not entitled to anything in life. And yet we have so much. It takes me back to Thanksgiving again. Thanksgiving is here, coming up in a few days. And is that going to be the only day of the year that we're going to be thankful and grateful? Uh, See, on Wednesday, we're going to be crazy because of the travel. And on Friday, we're going to be crazy because of the shopping. And then Saturday and Sunday, we're going to go back to the same person we were before. As we head into Christmas, as we think about all these presents and gifts that we want to buy and the things that we want for ourselves because we feel entitled to it, because we've worked so hard, we've put so much effort behind this past year, I'm entitled to these things. And we forget the power of saying thanks and being full of gratitude. And so there's a question I want all of us to wrestle with. And not just for Thanksgiving Day, but for every day of the year. The question is this, will you be the one? Will you be the one? Will you and I, will we be the one that's different than everyone else? Will we be different than our neighbors? Will we be different than other family members? Will we be different than people here in this church? Will you be different than me? Sometimes I feel entitled to certain things, but you know what? I I come to realize I'm not. And so can I be the one? See, can I be the one that can be thankful and grateful, not just for one day, but every single day of the year? Will I be the one? Will you be the one on Wednesday that no matter what happens on your trip, no matter how long it takes you, in some way you're going to find enjoyment and gratitude in it? Will you be the the one on Black Friday that you're not going to knock someone over for a toy? Will you be the one on Black Friday who's not going to yell an obscenity at a clerk because they didn't get you what you needed or wanted? Will you be the one not to get in a fight this year that somebody videotapes and puts on Facebook? (laughs) I mean, really, will will you and I, will we be, be the ones? Will you be the one, if you are shopping on Friday, when you go up to pay for your merchandise, that you'll actually thank the clerk for being there. Do you know how terrible their day is on Friday? It's like one of the worst days of the year for them. Well, would you be the one to be different? Maybe you even have some gift cards in your pocket, like, hey, thank you for your work today. Will you be the one? Will you be the one that'll be different when you're shopping? Will you be the one when you go to lunch that day, you tip a little extra because you know that they're going to get stiffed that day? Will you be the one? Will you be the one to send a thank you note to a volunteer here at The Journey? Will you be the one that will go downstairs after we get done today and say thank you to every single teacher that's downstairs? Look, just to be honest for a moment, sometimes 
when you come to church, you feel entitled to certain things here. You feel entitled maybe as parents that your kids are downstairs. That's what needs to happen. You know what? It doesn't have to happen. We do that out of thankfulness and gratitude. Will you be the one to go downstairs today and say thank you for your time? You had 25 kids in here. I'm sure that was not a whole lot of fun, but thank you for spending time with these kids. Thank you for keeping them safe. Thank you for watching over them. Will you be the one to thank our staff? And I'm not talking about myself. Let me give you a pretty crazy number. Church research shows that um, churches need to be about 100 people per staff member, full-time staff member. With all our staff we have right now, we have about three and a half full-time staff members here at The Journey. Our number is about 152 people per staff person uh, this fall. Our staff is working incredibly hard and doing amazing things with few people. Will you be the one to thank them when you go downstairs and see them or when you see them up on stage? Will you be the one to thank them? Will you be the one? Will you be the one that's full of gratitude in your life? Will you be the one to thank your kid's coach? Instead of bashing them, sending them a scathing email, talking about them, gossiping about them, would you be the one to go to them and say, thank you for taking the time with my kid? Thank you for teaching them. Thank you for loving them in this setting. Will you be the one to thank the receptionist at work? Usually the receptionist person, man, they are there every single day. They'll be there all day Wednesday, and most of them will be there all day Friday, and hopefully they'll get Thursday off. Will you be the one? Because I know sometimes in your high-powered jobs, you walk into a place, and you don't even acknowledge the person that's there. Will you be the one to change that? Will you be the one to say, hey, thank you for your work. Thank you for being here. Will you be the one to do that? Will you be the one to take a little time to write a little thank you card with a little gift in it and put it in your mailbox for your mail carrier? Because all those gifts you're going to buy from Amazon right here in the next few days, they're going to be busy. They're going to be crazy. And my brother's one. I know how terrible that can be. They spend a lot of time out there. Would you be the one to put that in your mailbox just to say thanks? Like, I think this is a question you and I have to ask ourselves every single day. Will we be the one? Will we be different? Do we want to be entitled and feel like we're entitled, live a life of entitlement just like I think those other nine lepers? Or do we want to be like the Samaritan who says, you know what? Thank you. I, I've, I've got more than I need. I don't care if you have a little or a lot. We all have probably more than we need. In some ways, we take that as entitlement. But what if every day we ask that question, will I be the one to say thanks, to show gratitude, to show people what it looks like to live a life very much like the Samaritan we find in our story? I love what, um, what Paul writes in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. It says, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You notice it doesn't say give thanks once a year. It doesn't say, you know, once a month or once a week. It says, in whatever you do, in everything we do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Christ, giving thanks. As we head into Thanksgiving, my prayer and my hope is that you have an amazing Thanksgiving day. That it is fun and, and, and enjoyable and maybe it's food and family and football for you. Hope it's peaceful wherever you may be, but can we live that out on Friday too? Can we live that out on, on Saturday? Can we live that out 
on June 3rd, 2018? Because I want us to wrestle with that question every day. Will I be the one? And then ask yourself, how? How will I be the one? How will I live this out? I know it may be tough going down 95 South on Wednesday to, to live. I know it's, it's difficult. It's tough. But how do you live that out? How do you live that out when you come to the end of the year and there's paperwork and, and things that need to be done before the end of the year? How are you going to live that out in that setting? How are you and I going to be the one? I love that the Samaritan came back because it shows us that there's thankfulness and, and hope and, and grace and love, even even when maybe we don't deserve it. But he comes back and he tells Jesus, thank you. And I know in this room, some of us feel like outcasts. We feel like maybe we don't belong. Can you please understand this church is a safe place for you? This is a church for imperfect people. But as imperfect people, we should understand and know there's a God who loves us. There's a Jesus who loves us. And if that love is that strong towards us, then we can express that out in the world we live in. Will you be the one? And if you and I will be the one, if we'll take that challenge on, man, God can do incredible, amazing things in our lives. So as you head into this holiday season, every day, maybe write it down somewhere, just put it in front of you. How can I be the one today? How can I be thankful and full of gratitude like the Samaritan in our story? We're not entitled, but we should be grateful and thankful. And every Sunday when we come together here at The Journey, we take this communion as a church family. And you know what? It is a moment that we get to say thank you. Thank you, God, for loving us. Thank you, God, for this communion. Thank you for this bread and this juice that represents Jesus. And we get to celebrate that together. And I, I hope and I pray as we, we do that today, you will ask yourself, that question and began to come up with the answers to how can I be the one and the life that God has given me might, might be tough and it might not be easy but I promise you if we do that God will do amazing things